48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. The headlines. An expert has urged the government to make it compulsory to wear masks in public. The chief executive comes under fire from across the spectrum spectrum over her planned pay rise. And the government also get, draws criticism over the time it's taking with the $10,000 cash handout. A microbiologist says the government should make it mandatory for people to wear face masks in public. Janice Wong reports. Dr. Ho Pak Leung from the University of Hong Kong says masks have a certain effectiveness in blocking droplets. He told an RTHK radio program of his concern about the elderly patient believed to have caught COVID-19 at Hock Oi Hospital. He says this and others involving police officers could be because people were not wearing masks. He also says the government needs to more strictly enforce its ban on public gatherings of more than four people to tackle invisible transmissions in the community. The chief executive of Pok Oi Hospital says no one else has so far tested positive for the coronavirus after a 93-year-old patient was suspected of being infected there. Vicky Wong reports. Dr Chong Yi Hong told an RTHK radio program that 72 patients who shared the man's ward and another 11 who were recently discharged have tested negative, as have the man's four family members. Dr Chong says they're still awaiting test results for free medical staff, while 171 others have tested negative. The president of the Public Doctors Association, Arasina Ma, says the case shows a need to improve infection control measures in hospitals. But she says most other patients and staff have tested negative. She doesn't see a repeat of a super spreader incident that occurred at Prince of Wales Hospital during the SARS epidemic. And as concerns grow over a third wave of infections possibly coming to Hong Kong, this time from Guangdong, an infectious disease expert suggests random testing for antibodies to see how many people have built up immunity to the new coronavirus. Professor Malik Peres from the University of Hong Kong says those people with this so-called immune passport could resume a normal life. Testing for the virus for control is a different issue where you do have to test individuals. But here, if you take an appropriate random sample of the population across age groups, you certainly can extrapolate to what's going on in the population. You don't have to test every single person. Now, there's another concept, of course, that is now becoming talked about, this concept of an immune passport, if you like. So in other words, you do test many people and uh, the people who know that they have antibody, they are more confident that they are protected. To some extent, they can go back more freely or move about more freely. Several pro-establishment lawmakers have joined opposition legislators in calling for the chief executive to take a pay cut rather than accepting a pay rise at a time when many Hong Kong people are struggling. Mrs. Lam is expected to get a pay rise of $120,000 this year, bringing her annual salary to $5.21 million. The Roundtable's Michael Teen says the CE should suspend the pay rise and should also take a 30% pay cut while Hong Kong's borders are closed. He says it would be totally insensitive and would show a lack of political acumen if she insists on the pay rise at a time when other leaders are taking pay cuts. It is not simply a gesture. It is to actually get empathy from all the workers, frontline, even mid-management to upper management of the entire community, sending a strong signal to them that as the number one in charge of Hong Kong, she is willing to set this personal sacrifice. 
Lawmakers from both sides of the political divide have questioned at the time it's taking and the cost involved in the government handout of $10,000 to permanent Hong Kong residents aged over 18. It was suggested in that it was promised in the budget to help people cope in the current recession. The government says a billion dollars has been set aside as administrative expenses and it will start taking applications for the cash handout in July. The Secretary for the Treasury, James Lau, says the process takes time and is already two months ahead of the pace in 2011 when $6,000 was handed out to all permanent ID card holders. He spoke through an interpreter. For accounts with proper bank account details, then um, the exercise is relatively straightforward. But in the past, we saw a number of exceptions or cases with missing information or information to be verified. The exercise is labor intensive. That's why we would need staff support. The $1 billion is just an estimate. Hopefully we can enhance our efficiency and minimize the costs. Civic Party lawmaker Kwok Ka-ki said a billion dollars for expenses is unreasonable. Nine years ago when we uh, hand out the $6,000, we spent $120 million. And now we are talking about $1 billion as an administrative cost. How come we need to spend more or less eight times as admin cost and delay and delay and delay? People in dire need are needing this money in order to, you know, to cope with the difficulty they are facing. The one billion is a lot of money. I would rather ask them to give the money and giving back to the people. Foreign domestic helpers have welcomed a new arrangement by the Immigration Department to issue quota tags to avoid crowds queuing in its offices and limit the spread of the coronavirus. From today, applicants turn up in the office at the time shown on the tag. At Immigration Tower in Wan Chai, officers could be seen dispersing people in the lobby and other areas. These helpers who were renewing their visas waited outside the building. They give you a paper and then they call you and then we go out. We cannot, uh, we cannot longer stay there. It's better like this. It's good to avoid the spreading of the virus inside the immigration, so inside the tower. So better stay here at the park. Veteran Democrat Martin Lee says the national constitution governs the mainland and the basic law governs Hong Kong. He was commenting after the chief executive Carrie Lam said last week that people should understand the Chinese constitution was the root and source of the basic law so that the one country, two systems principle could run steadily in the long term. Mr Lee, the founding chairman of the Democratic Party and a member of the basic law drafting committee, says if that's the case, Hong Kong should be practising socialism. There is an article in the Chinese constitution, Article 31, which allows the National People's Congress to establish special administrative regions and also to decide what policies and what systems would be practiced in these SARs. So because of that, in the Constitution, the National People's Congress established Hong Kong as a special administrative region, practicing capitalist system, fine. So in a way, the Constitution is useful, but without that article, there's no Hong Kong. But once Hong Kong established, and once the basic law was enacted and become operative, then it's the basic law which governs Hong Kong exclusively. And South Korea has reported 47 new coronavirus cases, its lowest daily number since the outbreak peaked there in February. The rate of infection has been in decline for weeks and many new cases have been in people returning from abroad. The British Prime Minister Boris Johnson is spending the night in hospital after being admitted with persistent symptoms of the coronavirus. Ten days after testing positive, his temperature is still high. His office said he would undergo precautionary tests. 
Mr Johnson was the first leader of a major country to confirm he'd been infected. Downing Street said he'd rema he remained in charge of the British government. At the White House, Donald Trump wished Mr Johnson a speedy recovery. All Americans are praying for him. He's a friend of mine. He's a great gentleman and a great leader. And he's, uh, as you know, he was uh, brought to the hospital today. But I'm, I'm hopeful and sure that he's going to be fine. He's a strong man, strong person. A senior White House advisor has warned that the number of people dying from the disease in the United States will continue to rise for the time being. But Deborah Burks said the rate of new infections should stabilise in the coming days, with events in Europe offering a degree of encouragement. Well, hopeful because last time I was here, I wasn't able to really tell you that Italy and Spain were coming across their apex and coming down the other side. And I think, to me, that's extraordinarily hopeful. They just completed four weeks of really strong mitigation. And I think that's our word to the American people, is we can look like that. She was speaking at a daily briefing alongside President Trump, who said there were good signs in New York, the worst hit area, that the outbreak was leveling off. Separately, a, a top U.S. health official warned that many Americans still face the hardest and saddest days of their lives in the coming week, with deaths from COVID-19 expected to peak in some places. More than 1,200 people with the coronavirus died in the past 24 hours. A Surgeon General Jerome Adams told NBC's Meet the Press that further challenges lay ahead. The next week is going to be our Pearl Harbor moment. It's going to be our 9-11 moment. Uh, it's going to be the hardest moment for many Americans in their entire lives. And we really need to understand that if we want to flatten that curve and get through the, to the other side, everyone needs to do their part. Queen Elizabeth has given a message of reassurance to Britain and the Commonwealth, urging people to remain resolute in the face of the coronavirus. In a televised address from Windsor Castle, she acknowledged the grief, pain and financial difficulties faced by many, but she said countries around the world were joined in a common endeavour to defeat the virus. Together we are tackling this disease, and I want to reassure you that if we remain united and resolute, then we will overcome it. I hope in the years to come... Everyone will be able to take pride in how they responded to this challenge. And those who come after us will say the Britons of this generation were as strong as any. The number of coronavirus deaths in France has risen above 8,000 as previously undisclosed fatalities in care homes are taken into account. Daily figures show another rise in admissions to intensive care, but the rate of infection is slowing. Italy also recorded its lowest mortality level for a fortnight. Ireland's acting Prime Minister Leo Varadkar has re-registered as a medical doctor to help out during the pandemic. His office said he would work for the health service once a week. He practised medicine for seven years before turning to politics. Reports say he'll staff a telephone consultation line for people to ring if they think they've been exposed to the virus. And a deadly cyclone bearing down on the South Pacific nation of Vanuatu has intensified into a Category 5 superstorm. Tropical cyclone Harold claimed 27 lives when it swept through the Solomon Islands last week. It's now packing winds of up to 235 kilometres an hour. It's forecast to pass north of the capital, Port Villa, early tomorrow. Currencies, the US dollar is trading at 108.89 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar and 8 cents. The pound is worth 9 Hong Kong dollars and 48 cents. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 23,536, 300 points up on the previous close. Turnover stands at $42 billion. And now with the sports, here's Adam Chung.
The Hong Kong Football Association is expected to make a decision this week regarding the local Premier League season. There have been plans to resume play next week, but those plans are off after the FA released a statement on Saturday to postpone all fixtures indefinitely, as the recent wave of COVID-19 cases have prompted the government to keep its venues closed. Our football commentator Chris K.L. Lau says the FA has been looking at different ways to complete the season. There are two proposals which clubs want to discuss. The first proposal will see the season being suspended until September and resuming where they left off. The second idea is to start again in January 2021 and play the cup finals and one round of games to decide the league. The first idea is probably more viable as it would allow the remaining games to be played and generate more revenue. Hong Kong football does not have mega money TV and sponsorship deals, so it's important that some games are played at some point. If the season was to conclude now, then RNF would be champions. There might be no local football for a long time, and hopefully the clubs can survive financially. Staying with football, the former England captain Wayne Rooney says the public pressure placed on footballers to take pay cuts in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic is a disgrace. The BBC's Nick Hatton has more. The continued debates over whether Premier League footballers should assist financially in the fight against coronavirus is a disgrace and has players in a no-win situation. That's according to the former England captain Wayne Rooney. Players have been urged to do more by Britain's health secretary and the Premier League has proposed a 30% pay cut. But the Players' Union, the Professional Footballers Association, says that may harm the country's national health service because of the tax revenue that will be lost. Rooney says in his column for the Sunday Times newspaper that he's happy to offer support, but asks why are footballers suddenly the scapegoats? The Fiji Rugby Union has criticised two of its top professional players who have been arrested for failing to self-isolate after flying home from overseas. One of the players is back rower Sami Kunatani, who was part of Fiji's gold medal winning Olympic Sevens team at Rio 2016. The two players returned to Fiji through Singapore. They were arrested for failing to observe a 14-day quarantine designed to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Fiji has reported 12 cases. The former New Orleans Saints kicker Tom Dempsey has died of the coronavirus. He was 73. Dempsey is a heroic figure in American football as he managed to play 11 NFL seasons, despite being born without toes on his kicking foot. He's remembered for making the improbable 63-yard game-winning field goal against the Detroit Lions in 1970. No other player kicked a longer field goal for the next 43 years. And that's your look at sports. And to end the news, the top stories once again. An expert is urging the government to make it compulsory to wear masks in public. The chief executive comes under fire from across the spectrum over a planned pay rise, and the government is criticised over the time it's taking with a $10,000 cash handout. The news from RTHK.
afternoon and welcome to the 123 show with me Noreen Mayer on this Monday afternoon. Monday the 6th of April is today's date. How was your weekend everyone? Did you all stay in or had a quick walk down your apartment block? Many thanks once again to James Ross for the morning brew today. Still sitting in for Phil? We do have a busy program today. Just after half past one, we're talking to fitness coach Nathan Solier. And uh, on the one, two, three show, he'll be talking a little bit more about the importance of agility and balance. So join us uh, then. We'll be uh, chatting uh, just after half past one. And uh, after two o'clock, we're going to be talking to Christy Ho, um, who is uh, from, who's the organizer of Canadians Stronger Together. And uh, th- we're going to be talking about how Canadians in Hong Kong and in Canada can show their solidarity, uh, especially during these difficult times on an event which is happening uh, on this Saturday. And finally, uh, since today is Monday, it is Trash Talk. So on Trash Talk this week, you can hear Marcy Trent Long talking to Sharon Kwok Pong and also Stanley Pong about their battery recycling efforts. And we want to hear from you also. So feel free to drop us an